The Chief Health Officer has revoked Greater Melbourne as a hotspot, but there is still a tiered system for those who've been in Greater Melbourne. Joining us on the line to tell us more about this is the Health Minister, Natasha Files. Good morning. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, listeners. Minister, what is the situation now for those who have or, well, have been to uh, to the Greater Melbourne area or plan to travel into the Northern Territory from Greater Melbourne at this point? So, Katie, it's really important for your listeners, if they're planning any interstate travel or have family coming to visit, that they have a look at the NTG website and also um, perhaps the jurisdiction where they're coming from because we've got a number of situations and the information is changing quite quickly around Australia. In terms of Melbourne, uh, we saw yesterday evening the Chief Health Officer revoked um, the hotspot declaration for Greater Metropolitan Melbourne, but there is still... Uh, measures in place for anyone that's visited Tier 1, 2 and 3 sites. It's quite detailed information, Katie, and that's why I do urge people to, to visit those websites. Now, um, what does it mean for those that are uh, that are currently in Howard Springs? Were they let out as of 6 o'clock yesterday? Yes, correct, Katie. So um, we, obviously, that, that Chief Health Officer decision was made. He had information from AHPPC. He talked to his expert panel and we had one of our um, emergency subcommittee meetings of Cabinet and that decision was made. Uh, so people that were at Howard Springs were able to leave the facility, but noting it was late in the day, people, if they wish to stay overnight, we did allow for that, Katie. How many people are we talking? How many will or either have or are about to leave uh, quarantine as a result of that hotspot change? So, Katie, we've got um, two figures for the Howard Springs facility. We've got around 470 people, and there are international travellers presently. We had a number yep. of flights arrive late last week. And then we have around 315 who are domestic travellers. Uh, and we have around, as I understand, 40 people still from Greater Melbourne in the facility. But they don't necessarily all mean that they're part of those tier one locations where they need to stay in quarantine it could be that people just being so late in the day they couldn't arrange accommodation or or travel and so we of course you know allowed them to to stay on in that facility right so just talk us through that again 315 uh, domestic travelers but how many uh how many are still in there at the moment um, so we've still got, um, uh, we had 132 that discharged late right. yesterday. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, we, we'll work through those figures. And I'm, I'm happy to, to provide something to you um, this morning while you're still on air around the specifics. But uh, people certainly left the facility. Some people, Territorians, would be very excited to get home. With others, it wasn't so straightforward. They might have been needing to, to fly back into state or yeah. arrange alternative accommodation. No, fair enough. Now, what's the situation at the moment with New South Wales and also Queensland? I know... In New South Wales, uh, quite a few people are pretty concerned about just how easily COVID has, uh, well, um, transmitted from person to person with this limousine driver. Katie, we're watching the New South Wales situation very closely uh, and there is a number of locations where if you visited that location, you need to isolate, get tested, uh, in some cases remain in isolation. And the Chief Health Officer will today participate in AHPPC so Territorians can have that latest information. Now, so we'll have a bit of a better idea a little later today, I guess, but at this stage there's no hotspot declaration for New South Wales or Queensland at the moment. No, there's no Australia-wide hotspot declarations for um, New South Wales, but we have got active cases in Queensland, New South Wales, the ACT, and, of course, the, the residual legacy from this Victorian situation. 
And so uh, we do need people to remember if they choose to travel. And, and Katie, I know the school holidays are just around the corner yeah. next week and, and people are keen to see family and friends. Uh, but now's probably the time to enjoy our great dry season weather and stay in the Territory. I mean, is that your advice for Territorians? Maybe don't travel away this school holidays, stay here? Oh, Katie, it's so difficult to say that. People haven't seen family and friends for a good, you know, 12 to 18 months in some cases. And so, you know, as we do see more people vaccinated and, and we've certainly seen COVID come right under control Australia-wide. So, but they do need to think if you if you do travel interstate, uh, we've seen these situations develop very quickly. You know, we, we saw that Melbourne situation go from one case to, to a lockdown fairly quickly. So you just need to keep that in mind if you do travel. Can you stay where you are for an extended period? I saw someone on social media today that a week trip turned into a four-week trip for them. Yep. Can you stay there? Are you prepared to go to Howard Springs and, and do the couple of weeks there? So, you know, each family situation is so different, but it, it's just an important reminder. Minister, I just want to ask about this tiered system. Obviously, today we know that, uh, that that's going to be the case uh, for Greater Melbourne. If, if you've been in one of those spots, that's still a concern. Um, why are we going down the, the path of the tiered system? Do you think that it makes things more difficult for people to understand? So, Katie, the tiered system is in Victoria and that's in response to them. They have a three-tier risk-based system for COVID-19 public exposure sites. And so we match our advice to theirs. So, tier one is anyone who's arrived in the Territory since the 7th of June. That's been to those tier one public exposure sites as directed by Victorian Health. And then they have the tier two and tier three. So, that's corresponding to their system. In New South Wales, it is um, locations, so they have. If you visited that location, yeah. um, you need to to follow the advice. Okay. Now uh, we know that the nation's leaders met yesterday, and the vaccine was high on the agenda. Are we getting more supply of the Pfizer? So, Katie, we will see an increase of the Pfizer vaccine during July. The Commonwealth have committed to that. But what we did see late last week, and we've spoken about this, is the change to the AstraZeneca advice from ATAGI, the Australian Immunisation Technical Advisory Group, and they're now recommending AstraZeneca for over 60s. So we now need to cater for 50 to 59. So we estimate about 20,000 territories fall into this age category. So 40,000 vaccines. So we're just reworking our program to make sure that we can vaccinate everyone. So um, with, our, with the, the booking system, I know that you and I spoke on the week that was last Friday and I'd raised with you um, and your office earlier in the week last week as well that there was some trouble for some people trying to book in for their COVID vaccine. And I had asked whether that was because we, we didn't have enough of the Pfizer vaccine. Where are things at with this? Yeah, Katie, unfortunately, people are still unable in the Darwin urban area to make a booking for Pfizer, but we're working through that and we're hoping to have more booking appointments up online within the next day or so. We, we have the Pfizer coming in. We receive regular supplies of the vaccine. We, we get doses weekly and we get provided with the information of what we're getting, but we just saw that surge um, with people and unfortunately, all the booking times have been allocated. We're also working on opening that Darwin Mass Vaccination Centre which will provide more appointment opportunities um, and, and obviously for people to get vaccinated. Now, where are we at with this mass vaccination centre? When is it going to open? So, Katie, we're working on opening it through July. Uh, we're just working through the logistics of that centre uh, and particularly with the new requirement for people aged uh, in their 50s to receive the vaccination, now the Pfizer. We're just working through those logistics. And where is it going to be? 
Katie, we're looking um, in the Darwin, Palmerston urban area. We want a location that people can easily access um, and that won't have an impact on nearby businesses. So the department's just working that through. And so have you got a few locations that, that are sort of already earmarked that you're now shortlisting or what's the situation at the moment? Katie, that's operational, but as soon as we have a confirmed location, we'll certainly share it with you and your listeners. Because I know Territorians have done a great job. We're getting close to 80,000 vaccinations have been delivered territory-wide. Territorians certainly are leading the nation in terms of vaccine, but we mustn't become complacent. So we'll get all that information out. We're just working through these significant changes that we saw last week, the change in Otagi advice. Uh, working with the Commonwealth around the supply of the vaccine and just getting everything in order. So is there a delay to this uh, vaccination hub? No, Katie, I always said that we would open it during July and that is what I expect at this stage. Um, I've got a question here from a listener. It says, can you please ask Minister Files what's the cost, uh, what the cost is to stay at Howard Springs? As I've been told, it depends on your earnings. Therefore, um, backpackers, may, backpackers may not have to pay. No, Katie, it's $2,500 per person and $5,000 for a family to, to stay there. Now, sometimes, Katie, if, if someone arrives and, um, you know, the hotspot's lifted very quickly, um, you know, they're not there for very long, uh, that will be reduced, that fee, but know that there's no different rates. Um, there can be um, an exemption process, but uh, it is very rare to see that fee uh, not be invoiced. And is everyone paying? You're not having any issues with people paying up? Katie, I haven't seen that information lately and I'm happy to, to go away and have a look at it. We certainly um, invoice people and we expect them to pay it. We've spoken about this before. It's just like any other uh, money that you owe the government, you are expected to pay. But I'm happy to, to get some figures on how people have been paying. Um, territory families, as I understand, had been doing that invoicing, um, but health is, is working there. So I'll get some information for you. Now, Minister, what is the plan when it comes to the rollout of the vaccine in pharmacies? Yeah, Katie, so the Commonwealth Government um, did an expression of interest and we have had some community pharmacies um, in the Territory put their hand up to deliver the vaccine. And pharmacies play a really important role in delivering health care and health information to the community. So my understanding is that they will deliver AstraZeneca from the middle of July uh, into, into the community and the Commonwealth has been working directly with the pharmacies around their role in the COVID vaccination rollout. All right, so because um, I know that it had been reported that it was going to happen, I think, from uh, from a little bit later next month or mid-next month and it would be in a few locations. Have we got any idea exactly how many locations? No, Katie, I don't have that locational information, but the advice that, that we both just spoke about from around mid-next month is correct. OK. Um, now, do you feel as though at this point in time we're tracking well when it comes to the vaccine rollout now that it is all opened up to those over the age of 16? So, Katie, we have vaccinated um, 77,000 people in the Territory and over 20,000 have received their second dose. So that means 10% of our population aged over 16 are fully vaccinated against COVID-19 and that figure really belongs to Territorians. They've done an amazing job uh, literally rolling up their sleeve and getting vaccinated but we mustn't become complacent and my job as the Health Minister is to make sure that we have uh, the vaccine available uh, and Territorians can access that and I'll continue to work in that space. Well, Minister for Health, Natasha Files, we appreciate your time. Actually, just finally, um, I know that estimates run all this week as well um, but it all finishes up on Thursday, does it? Correct, Katie. So uh, I think you see uh, Minister Kate Warden and Minister Paul Kirby appearing at the hearings today and then um, Minister Selena Ubo and Chancey Pake 
Then Thursday morning is the government corporation, so your power and water, uh, territory generation, etc. the speaker. And then we go into parliament uh, late Thursday afternoon to, to pass the budget. So what the estimates process is, is for your listeners to understand, it, it's going through the, the budget um, and it's a committee stage of passing a bill. Yep. So we go in Thursday afternoon and pass that budget. So it's not a normal sittings day, uh, but we go in and, and have that um, debate and, and pass the, the budget for 2021-22. All right. Well, uh, Minister, I think we'll see you Friday morning, hopefully. That would be like great. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll see you Friday for the week that was. Good on you. Thank you. I'm convincing there. We'll be sorry. <laughs> Will I'm you be here or won't you? <laughs> You're talking about Friday. I'm very organised. Um, Minister Files, we'll, we'll catch up with you again very soon. Thank you for your time. Thank you. And, uh, well, I was, I've always got Friday on the mind, making sure that we've got uh, everybody lined up for our Friday morning for the week that was, because our next guest, Robin Lamley, uh, she's going to be joining us at 9.30, and she's also going to be joining us on Friday. So Ronnie and I like to be extra organised in here uh, for you all.